0: Back to the Origin Paired podcast, episode number 24. And on this week's episode, we have Christina Self. Christina Self is a sex educator and she likes to
1: talk about sex with <laughs> <and> about everyone. <laughs> as, as I like to say, the world would be a much happier place if we were all having more good sex more often. <laughs> so Happy that's, days. that's my contribution. <laughs> so, just before
0: we start, I just want to say something. Let's talk about sex better. <laughs> 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 Welcome, Christina. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm doing great.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, I guess we just want to start off. Um, can you just tell the people or the listeners like a little bit about yourself and your background story?
1: Sure. Um, so. I'm uh, <laughs> I have always been fascinated in helping people. That's just been since I was a little one, and so by the time I got to high school, you know, I'm pretty non-judgmental, and people were just naturally drawn to telling me whatever was going on for them, and and I was always interested in helping them and collecting the stories. And so, you know, this as as the as the as the pubescent hormones kicked in, it ended up being that I would talk to a lot of them about sexual stuff. And so, you know, my whole life, I've had this interest and curiosity and to intimacy. So, in the end, you know, I studied science and I double majored in human movement and exercise science. I'm pretty tall. You can't see me, but I'm (laughs) almost six foot tall. I was in the state volleyball team at the time, but it wasn't enough. You know, I wanted to learn more about reproductive biology. um, So, I ended up double majoring with human bile as well. And after that, you know, I went into corporate health Um, as an ex-phys and I started studying my Master's in Management and Business to work, you know, in the corporate and HR side of wellness. But there still wasn't um, a sexologically specific degree. It wasn't until much later that, you know, one of the only degree programs in the world is actually at Curtin University here in Perth. So, while I was doing my travels and working abroad, I found out about sexology and when I was brought back because my dad was um, terminally ill, I ended up just taking the opportunity to start this degree that I'd always wanted to do. Okay. At Curtin? At Curtin. At Curtin yeah. University. How convenient and is that? <laughs> it was just so convenient. And, you know, it, the the people that you meet in sexology are just fascinating. Right. You've so can, a, we, can
2: we break it down? Sexology, right? Break, yes. break it down. Everything yeah. sex?
1: Yeah. Basically, it's a study of human sexual behavior. Um, so, you know, we're talking emotions. We're talking, you know, obviously gender and sexuality diversity. We're talking fetishes and paraphilia. We're talking the whole works. You know <laughs> how to have a good relationship, how to not have a good relationship. Christina, was it
3: mostly females? Was it mostly females? You know, in the class? it
1: actually was mostly females. It's a good question, and a lot, a very high proportion of gender diverse and sexuality diverse, obviously. Wanting I think to a lot of
0: listeners today are gonna get a lot of detailed information what they always wanted to hear, but they were probably afraid that talk about it to the partner or but what, there is going to be a lot of people interested in this one i, f- I very feel it
2: can i just say m- most of our listeners we- where we get like from 20 to 50 year olds a, a lot of them are 30s kind of mm-hmm. our age kind of mm-hmm. 30 to 40 i find yeah. that um we at one stage it was more females than males listen to this podcast mm-hmm. i think it's because we had some Interesting female guests on, not so much that they like listening to (laughs) us, but (laughs) a lot of them, a lot of people, I think, are at the stage where starting to have families. Yeah, and and, and things like that, you know. So it's kind of, you know, when when children get involved and everything else, it definitely
1: impacts, you know, intimacy. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people place value or don't place value on their sexual selves. Um, I feel, you know, just from my studies, you know, just like some of us have good voices and some of us don't, some of us have athletic ability and not, it's not necessarily a skill that can't be learned. It's about actually knowing your own body so some of us have higher levels of hormones than others and that and libido is hugely variant natural libido um for for women men for all genders and so we have a typically idea of a stereotype of a male being more sexual than a female. But really, where does that come from? I mean, as a sexual female, I tend to disagree. If you look historically, you know, the really sexual, powerful females were called witches. Right. They're super intuitive. And women, from a biological perspective, when we orgasm, we actually have longer, we can be multiple, but we, it also impacts our creativity, our sense of empowerment, our confidence and our intelligence. It like lights us up like a Christmas tree for days. Yeah. For guys, it's a physiological release that's shorter. It certainly doesn't have the impact on the other senses that it does for women. So, so of course, women who are on their sexual A game are powerful women. You know, Mae West, Marilyn Monroe, you know, Pink, Rihanna, Madonna. And men, you know, across the years, they tend to demonize these women because they are slaves, unfortunately. It's one of the only things we have over them, is there yeah. can be a slave to their sexuality. Yeah. And it's very, very threatening. To powerful men to be a slave to a powerful woman, which of course is ridiculous because you work together for the balance, right? That's what we women think. So, you know, I sort of say debunk what you think, you know, about male and female sexuality and figure out what, what yours is. Some people want sex more than others, and that's okay. Sometimes it's the reverse of what you think around child wearing. Of course, women's, you know, if they're having child after child, their sexuality is suppressed because we want you to look after the ones you've got really, really well to increase the survival of those children, right? So it can be, especially when you're lactating, there's a natural suppression of fertility. Having said that, though, some women have never felt more alive than mm. when they are pregnant, like my mum. She said she felt like she was on drugs when she was <laughs> pregnant and that was more, you know, more aroused than ever. So it's so diverse.
2: Where where has this line of work uh, taken you? Obviously, when you're done the winter <laughs> curtain, you know, has it opened many doors... Um. Uh,
1: look, you know, I'm an open person and so I think when people find out what I do, you know, and I like a chat, then it has opened a lot of doors for sure and just meeting the people that I met. So, you know, the, it is diverse. You can go into sort of forensic psycho- forensic sexology where you're working in the court system with sex offenders and victims and victimology, child trafficking, all that side oh, of it, okay. um, which is crazy. I have my own experience, which is a non-consensual Situation that how I lost my virginity. Now that didn't, and I, you know, didn't speak about that for years. It was in the vault because I didn't want it impacting the rest of my year twelve year. So I just kind of had a six foot five American father with a shotgun <laughs> that, that could have very well ended badly for all involved. So made a really conscious decision to put it into a a, a padlock, you know, in a guillotine, and poof, that was it. It was done. Didn't think about it for decades until I was forty, and I was doing this like group meditation for a completely unrelated thing and a padlock opened and I was like, oh, look at what I'm doing. And I made, like, the the, literally made the connection. And I thought, how crazy is that, that I had this experience and now it's pretty much subconsciously moulded my life towards helping others with consent and respect and all of this stuff. So, you know, it has taken me into education for sure. I mean, I was already educating while I was studying, so that was great. Counselling for individuals and for couples and for kids as well. Can
0: I ask you a question on the counselling part of things? Do you get a lot of couples... Coming to you for help to seek um help on their sexual relationship to spice things up again that have been in a maybe not maybe a sexless relationship for quite a while and the the desire is gone and they need help to just to spice things up again. Is that what you do for people? You you help people like that? I mean,
1: desire discrepancy is what we call it in long-term monogamous relationships it is one of the leading causes of divorce is the lack of communication and infidelity thereafter. Yeah. Right? And the infidelity now can be in very much a digital space too. So that is one of the leading causes. And I would like to say to couples, you know, yes, you get used to each other and you know each other backwards, but from my mind and in East, if you look at Eastern practice, Western sex is tends to be about the orgasm and outcome, the end point. Eastern practice like Tantra is about the journey. Right, And so I then guide them about the fact that they trust each other implicitly and now's the time you can talk about all those deep, dirty, dark secrets you always wanted to try but weren't able to say anything to anyone or actually have an open conversation where you're like, okay, why don't we do this or, you know, are are you interested in this? And that level of trust actually opens Pandora's box. Yeah, that
0: seems to be the biggest killer is lack of communication.
1: Yes, you've got to get to that point where you trust someone and then it is literally like.
3: Do you you need uh, both people present if you're meeting them or would you just take a female just for example and chat to her without her partner knowing?
1: Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, females... good point, I didn't think of that. Yeah, females, um, because there's been so many um, slut versus stud concepts, I find a lot of females don't want to or have been, you know pretty much discouraged from opening that side of themselves. And, you know, with you know the, the statistic of around 40% of women never have an orgasm is absolutely true. Sorry, say it again? About 40% of 40%, women, right. which is a really high percentage and there's lots of reasons why. A lot of women get in their own head about it, yes.
0: See, from what I think, it, men think they can just go in there and have penetration sex and they're not going to make a woman come. But it's, yes. there's more to it. Like, it's it's yes. all about building up, like you say, or oral sex or like that, you know. Yeah,
1: a lot of women are different. If we go right back to biology, so you've got your spinal cord and the pudendal nerve, which comes off the spinal cord, is the branch that supplies the urogenital region in male and female. Now, for males... The way it branches is pretty much to the head of the penis. <laughs> Obviously, there's some to the anus and you know, around the prostate, things like that. But you're really having a concentration around the head of the penis in particular. So it's fairly, you know, fairly easy roadmap for most women and for men to figure it out. For women, it branches off like a fingerprint, which is different for every girl. And it branches off to the vaginal wall, to the clitoris, which has almost double the amount of nerve endings than a man's head of penis. To the anus, to the G-spot, there's about six different areas. Now, it's not necessarily an even distribution. So if you have like one of my friends could only come during anal sex, she doesn't say that to many people. It took her a long time to figure that out. But obviously, when her pudendal nerve branched off in utero, that's where most of the sensation went. Some people have an even spread. I would say I have an even spread. Other women, it's mainly the clitoris, which then, you know, so what I say to men is it's like hunting for the treasure with no map and she doesn't know either. All right. Think of it as a challenge. Some women who know how to direct you, awesome, and I say to women, please figure it out for yourself and also try to position yourself on different because diff- she's like, oh, she says to me, oh, I've never come on top. And I'm like, yeah, but different men and different ways the bodies fit together doesn't mean you never will. It just meant that that particular way that your your bodies fit together meant that you probably didn't. But I've actually had yes with one and no with another just because of different yeah. ways. Yeah.
0: I'd
2: say there's a lot of men out there writing notes down. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Can I just say, uh, I've sure. never seen Davy Burns so invested in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's here with the notes and a pen and everything. He's looking... <laughs> It's like he's standing up in government here, about yeah. to make a speech. I just
0: want to make sure all flows good. That's <laughs> all
1: hundred percent, but there's yeah. nothing wrong with me because unfortunately a lot of guys right now and a lot of guys historically, it's, you know, porn is your biggest educator, which, you know, back in the day where it was my dad, it was like finding a playboy at the back of the shed. There wasn't really a lot going on as far as pleasure. You know, obviously things like the Kama Sutra. I mean, we're talking Eastern prax- practice. They've known forever. For, for Western men, it's really hard. It's like going in without a manual. Porn, of course, is... It's a manual. We don't know whether it's a good one, though. Do you
0: you think porn is damaging relationships? Do you think Um, men get hooked up too much on it and, you know, that's what they desire, what they see?
1: As I I say now, it's about quantity, it's about duration, it's about when you started. And, of course, now with the young ones accessing it on a phone from 11 – and yeah, you know, ridiculous. masturbating once, twice, sometimes three times a day from twelve to nineteen, you are hardwiring your arousal pathways to situations that may or may not ever happen. And I am counselling and have counselled my friend's seventeen year old son who has finally gotten himself into a relationship and she loves the girl. And after a couple times of sex that was successful, he's now can't get an erection. Really, And I had to quiz him and he goes, I'm not watching porn now. And I said, yeah, let's just talk about when you started. 12. Was it every day? Yes. Was it more than once a day? Sometimes. What were you watching? Two girls, one guy. I said, okay, so predominantly aroused by this group situation, which is not what you're experiencing in real life. So your body has to now unlearn that response which mm. is very difficult when your brain is hardwiring. What's
3: the What's the stats on or the percentage on men, young men looking at porn, and women looking at porn?
1: Well, oh, hard to tell. More women um, than ever before, but again, it's because we're debunking that women aren't sexual. The but, problem is we're going the complete opposite way. A lot of our women are over sexualizing, so there has to be a balance,
2: isn't it? Um, w- weren't they saying that women like to read about? sexual fantasies more than watching it yeah so
1: there is that sort of age-old again stereotype that men are more visual than women and and women are definitely more cognitive so i would often say to a girl and a guy you know she's more likely to be fantasizing about someone else Then during a sexual relationship, like as it's happening and a man will literally be looking at you and, but that's what he's seeing and that's what he's thinking of. So there is that to some degree, but it's definitely not a blanket. Why why
2: are women so invested in programs like, um, Fifty Shades and, um, the okay. other one the sex, well, sex world what yeah, was it called all, the, all them like reality shows like, well, but this this last oh, program yeah. the, the fella with the the massive slong and the fucking shower I remember that was going around yeah. on TikTok and haven't you what was that one called <laughs> I don't know no, i never, never seen that bro. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff do you be looking at
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, think um, s- did, I think what Fifty Shades did
2: sex life or sex
1: I think what Fifty Shades <laughs> did is it actually yeah brought one actually first of sorry. all it brought out how much kink there is actually in community. Um, and because it sort of normalised it. Because at the moment, in the DSM, which is the Diagnostical Statistical Manual for all of your psychological issues, I mean, homosexuality was in there till the 70s. Fetishism and including BDSM is still in there as as an issue that you have to deal with. So BD- BDSM
2: is a bondage for anyone listening.
1: Yeah, no, I looked it up before about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sadomasochism. So that's essentially what Fifty Shades was about. It brought really, really underground... Ma- Um, you know, BDSM sort of themes to a mainstream platform. And, of course, there was a lot of women interested in it because inside they're super sexual, right? But we don't look at our mothers, our sisters, our girlfriends, grandmas like that. And I liked it for that reason as it allowed women to be more sexual openly and interested in sexuality openly. Um, as part of the BDSM community, though there was, it was very much repre- misrepresented. So especially consent.
2: I've I, I seen an interesting um, statistic. It said 85% of adults had tried incorporating some sort of light bondage um, or spanking into their s- sexual activities.
1: I would say 85 is probably a bit high, but yeah. maybe increasing now that it's a little bit more um, socially acceptable. Yeah, but, I mean, BDSM actually has been around for a very long time. A history of it is the samurai used bondage as a form of torture. It's called, but, of course, shibari, which is Japanese rope bondage. They, set, they found that some of the people they were trying to torture were actually getting aroused, and that <laughs> offshot into shibari. So that's the birthplace of bondage. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. So, um,
0: Christina, you also, you go around schools. Um, high do. schools um, to, to teach the students about sex and all other stuff. Um, With phones and social media these days, do you see a difference in the younger generation? Are they, like, are they starting to have sex earlier than probably we would? Or do you see it being a little bit, I don't know, concerning yes. for the younger generation?
1: 100%. I mean, we are seeing, I just did a parent workshop on pornography and just got the latest stats for WA. The our, our legal age of consent is 16 in Western Australia. It is not uniform across Australia. There's two states, which is Tasmania and South Australia, 17. Um, and it's not uniform across the world. I mean, in Angola, it's 12. In Bahrain, it's really? 21. So there's massive diversity with legal age. Um, so in Australia, the legal age, like the average age of loss of anal sex virginity was 15.8. Fucking hell. That's below the, that's average. And this below the legal age of consent here. When you got to vaginal sex of 15.1, when you got to oral sex, it was in year nine. It was 14. So we are seeing definitely lowering ages. We are seeing some primary school kids getting their period though, and getting um, the ability to actually produce a child in mid primary school, nine, 10, 11.
0: The, the, crazy. the reason why I asked is not so long ago, um... My daughter actually plays, like, kids' games on the internet, but somehow there's still creepy people out there, and they're literally playing a cartoon character, run around, and they can talk to another avatar on yep. the other side of the world, but they can Metaverse. Talk. And, yeah, so mm-hmm. somebody has... They just look like a little kid avatar, but they've yep. sent her a link, and she's pressed on the link, and this has brought her to, to porn sites. Yep. Now, we put a stop... once. But, I don't know how long this was going on to like look looked at her history. Mm-hmm. And once we found that out, that was it. We banned her from that game. And mm-hmm. they're the likes of things. She's only 12, you know. And she when she realised that we found out, she was like trying to think of all the excuses. She got scared because she thought she was going to be getting to big trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she, she wasn't in big trouble, but I tried to talk to her to tell mm-hmm. her like, it's not right, especially at this age, you know. And they're the yeah. things I'm concer- more concerned yeah. about these yeah. days.
1: I've just done a huge thing into the metaverse, So, and especially now that Apple's just released their goggles. So this, as I said to the parents, is now one world. There isn't the digital world and the real world. It is one world. The emotions that you feel in the digital world are the same as the emotions that you feel in the real world. Mm. It is one world. So if you get assaulted in a digital space and the metaverse is the closest that you can now to the real world and the goggles actually superimpose the digital world over the real world, then it is just the same as if you get assaulted in real life. It is an absolute minefield for parents because it is a candy-filled world for cyber predators. Yeah. the anonymity anonymity of it, the fact that you can tell a child that you are not who you really are. I mean, child pornography and then actual real-life abuse. We're now at a level in government where we are just not keeping up with their technology and the laws around abuse Sexual abuse in the metaverse. Like how are we going to govern it, and how are we going to find these people, and how are we going to to put them in jail because yeah. they are pedophiles? So
3: there is no laws yet on the metaverse. Is Very
1: there? few. I mean, we've just just before COVID, we had the image-based abuse laws passed, which means you can't have revenge porn antics, and you can't upskirt and downblouse, you know, with your phones, that sort of thing. You can't film people, you know, without their knowledge or consent from a vent in the bathroom. I mean, they only just came into effect. You can't post. The first person who got busted in Perth was an ex-boyfriend he went to. um, He created a fake Instagram under his ex's real name with her real details and posted 10 intimate photos of her like she had posted the her themselves Mm. and her best friend saw in People You Must Know come up And called her best friend and was like, this isn't you. I know you would never do that. And so the best friend was like, I know who would though because she'd Mm. just broken up with this guy. Went to the cops. And we're talking... 18 grand, 15 to 18 grand in fines, and up to three years in prison. Right, especially Just for if make
0: up a fake profile.
1: Especially if there's distress, so if the person harms, self harms, or suicides, or has a mental health breakdown because all these, yeah. especially when they're young, 13, 14, you know, that's why it's so serious. Yeah.
2: Is is there much people in your line of work? Because I think that with what's going on with technology. And these headsets, VR headsets and all this sort of stuff, that it's going to be, we're going to be swamped.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. It's full on. I mean, now you can get sexual, like, vibrators and toys where you can have someone in, you know, the States getting you off using something. I mean, it's insane now. Um, So, yeah, I think there does definitely always need to be more people educating in this space but you know sex sexuality education is a black sheep of education mm, when it. you go into pleasure especially pleasure learnt teaching young people about pe- pleasure it's the black sheep of sexuality education
2: um i've, I've got uh, one just after t- i was just thinking of this um do you know I was ha- having a search, and I go, "What's um, household objects that are most used for <laughs> for uh, sexual ar- arousal around that's the house?" The, that's
0: called like, in a, like as a fetish. It's like, um, uh, is it a fetish? Objection it? insertion.
2: <laughs>
1: There's a fetish about everything yeah. from balloons to feces. To shoes, to tattoos—I yeah. mean, you name it. Really, everything can be a mm. fetish. But we,
2: we, so, so, with these objects, anyway. What, what would you think is something around the house that you could? Um, Cucumber, a cu- fruit. Cucumber. fruit. Fruit was up there. Yeah. Fruit. Well, um, fruit. Yeah. Fruit was top of the list. <laughs> so apparently, people like fruit. Um. Yeah, there was a...
1: Oh, well, I think because, you know, a lot of the strippers controls. around town used to do a fruit and veg show, yeah. so that <laughs> yeah. sort of lends Christina, is there,
3: is there a lot of women that come to you and obviously want a happy marriage, but want something outside of marriage to keep them excited? You know what, well, it, it's, it's
1: super interesting when um, extramarital sex gets brought up, right? And a lot of the time it's, you know, a guy want, has always wanted a threesome, you know, So I sit there and say, well, what do you think about having a threesome with another guy and your wife? And that's when you sort the males yeah, yeah. from the males, like, let me tell you. Because yeah. I'm like, just because you, you're not the only one that has a fantasy about that. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> but women that... don't necessarily want to be with other yeah. women. Yeah, is it true that's that... your fantasy, not ours. <laughs>
0: is it true that a lot of women would prefer to have a threesome with another girl and their partner? No, no.
1: that's what I'm saying, is that not every woman finds other women attractive. That's a male fantasy, right, is either watching that female-female or being involved in that, whereas a lot of women, it's like, well, no, I'm not a lesbian, I'm not bisexual, I don't find other women attractive, I'd much prefer to have two guys because I'm heterosexual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk,
0: um, I want to ask you a question as regards intimacy. What would you say to couples that are lacking intimacy in the bedroom You know, um, where they're just stuck in the same house, same bedroom and not trying new things or the intimacy has just disappeared. And what would you say to them couples? How would you turn that that intimacy back up?
1: It has to be a priority. Do you know what I mean? It's like the body gets addicted to its own endorphins when you're training for a marathon. If you're not training for a marathon, you're not getting the end, the, you know, you're not getting the endorphins up for your body to get addicted to it. So, the more you prioritize the training for the marathon, the more your body feels the endorphins and the more the body wants the endorphins because the endorphins are the natural high. Obviously, we have lots of natural neurochemicals. So there's endorphins and there's serotonin and there's oxytocin, the bonding hormone, serotonin's for well-being, there's adrenaline. So all of these are there. Obviously people take drugs to do this, but the capacity is there in a loving, intimate relationship. It affects all of them. So the more you have sex and prioritize it, the more your body will then start to crave it. Right, yeah. Right? So the endorphins, for example, heroin locks into that receptor site like a lock and a key. Now, you can take heroin or you can go for a run or have good sex, right? Serotonin and MDMA, serotonin goes up though when you have good sex oxytocin's the bonding hormone but it goes up when you have good sex adrenaline obviously the more effort you put in the more energetic the more adrenaline you've got pumping through your brain which of course is increased with any kind of stimulant like amphetamine so i always say you know go for the natural highs that come with an intimate relationship rather than you know, antidepressants or whatever. And then when your body is prioritizing it, it gets used to that morning cup of coffee. Yeah. It's like, where's my coffee, <laughs> right? So you've got to teach it, 21 days to make a habit, 21 days to break it. So if you make a pact with each other, like, right, it doesn't have to be a four-hour session. People, you can forget about that. If you can teach a girl, if a girl can find a way to orgasm, why I say to the women, it's your responsibility, not theirs. Sorry, who
3: has four-hour sessions? <laughs> no, yeah,
1: that, that. But some, sometimes people think, oh, I've got to prioritise sex. I'm like, no, it can be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am right? Yeah. As long as everyone's happy and joyful and getting what they want. It doesn't always have to end in orgasm either. It's just an increase in heart rate and a bit of a grope or whatever, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just about being sexual with each other, making it a priority at least once a day um, and, you know, and then seeing what happens after that.
2: So I, I, I was um, doing a bit of reading. They were saying um, the average session time um, between a couple is from like three to seven minutes. So that's, that's pretty normal. Does that seem a bit less to you? Uh, I'm looking at the guys here because...
0: <laughs> oh, i will be straight up. There's times where it might only last a fucking few minutes and there's times where it lasts last fucking 20 minutes. Is there, a, so is there alcohol involved, involved in, or something? No, this is, the, is just this. I'm talking regards to me being sober. Yeah, um, okay. But just, also
1: if you're tired, yeah. if it's just a little sneaky just before you have to get up out of bed in yeah, the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nowadays, we're quite time poor.
3: Yeah.
1: So is, you know, three minutes better than nothing? Yeah. Sometimes I'll so, say she's is, happy as well.
0: Sometimes I'll say me, this is, this is for me it's not for you I just want to get it done and over like, Yeah I mean you know, as, I, as long as it's, as long as the
1: reverse happens as well. Yeah. yeah
0: then there's when then there's times where yes where it's, where it's intimate her. and there, that's where I'd like to take the time and Build it up and make sure everybody's happy.
1: And as long as she says, well, no, it's about me. You've got three minutes. Go. (laughs) That's what I'd be saying to her. It has to work in balance both ways, obviously. Um, But, you know, some people are more sexual than others and that sexuality also changes. So I keep saying to people, stop thinking about it in two dimensions. Think about it in about five dimensions. You know, it will change over time. It will change with your levels of fatigue and your levels of stress in your life. It will change around children, you know, just physical exertion. If you've got a job which is physically demanding, you're tired at the end of the day. I used to date, you know, a a carpenter and, you know, he got up at five. He was tired. He liked to have sex in the morning, but I liked to have sex at night. But By 11, he was like, I'm Mm -hmm. tired. So sometimes it's a mismatch in the time. But again, communication Finding the common ground Sunday afternoon or whatever it is. You know, there's pleasure is threefold and people forget about it. It's not necessarily just in the act, it's in the anticipation around it, especially when you're just starting to date someone and it's also in the memory after it. So you're sort of, you know, anticipating a hot date, anticipating a dirty weekend and so making sure that you're planning those times Mm. without kids and that sort of stuff is a way to get it all back.
2: Do you, you, when you're um, talking to people about relationships, do you ever get that stigma, say... Um, a 50-year-old guy that's been saying, oh, I've been having sex for whatever, 25 years or something. I don't need to know about this. Like, is there ever that um, pushback? Or,
1: no, not necessarily. You know, you know like there, at if what If there stage? is, they never get to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Because
1: they won't even come yeah. to see me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, There's
2: always room for improvement or well, to,
0: to
1: always, learn
2: more yeah, try new things. Does, does a wife bring a man down that's like, oh, no, I don't think there's anything wrong or, you know, this.
1: Oh, look, I think that, you know, it, she wouldn't. I'd say come to me first, right, and then maybe go and talk about what you've gotten out of the session. And if they're keen to either have a separate session or come the next time. You know, talk about it in a positive way. Don't force anyone to do anything. Yeah. Right? They're just going to sit there like this. They're not going to get anything out of it. You know, work on, you got to work through carrots, not sticks with this sort of stuff because there's nothing worse than libido than like being forced to do something you don't want to do.
3: When you first got into a relationship, did you explain to your partner at that time the work you've done or did you I gradually?
1: Was, oh, no. I was only, um, my my first long term boyfriend, I was eighteen, so I hadn't started the sexology yeah. yet. I'd started my first degree, and I was interested in it, but I hadn't gone as far as that yet. So yeah. we dated for seven and a half years, but then after that, yeah, I mean, you get a lot of different, you know, got get a lot of different responses when you know from guys when people you know, are asking, especially when I'm single for extended periods of time, because I sort of, you know, take it that, you know, there has to be a number of things that, you know, that will, I'm not picky. It's more that I just don't, I'm, I am I love my sex, but I don't find everyone attractive. Because yeah. for me, attraction is multi, like lots of different layers. Um, and so, you know, you get the cracks of, you know, oh, well, uh, you can teach me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be working in my relationship. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's not, that's not the right thing to say.
0: Okay. Um, I've got a question for my own sake and Mm -hmm. probably a lot of other people's sake. What is Tantra sex?
1: So this is Eastern practice and there, you know, it links very strongly to yoga and the breath and the life force energy, right? So if you've ever, you know, done any sort of, you know, yoga, they talk about the breathing in and the breathing out. And Tantra is about connecting with your partner And not necessarily getting to orgasm. We all know that horny feeling of arousal, a really good feeling before you've come, but you're just starting. That is what Tantra aims to prolong, bring in and prolong in a connected way through focusing on the body and the breath. So you get into this heightened state of arousal and then you let it stay. Yeah. And so the pro so then you're enjoying that journey of connection. So it goes into a spiritual sex where you're just staring at each other in each other's eyes and breathing together but you're both naked. That sort of practice for for minutes at a time where you're really connecting through, you know, you're seeing into their soul kind of stuff, you're feeling them, but you're really present in the way that you're being together.
0: Is so would it be when you say "prolong that um point where you get to mm-hmm. is it like just before your orgasm or come say just say when you hit one hundred percent you just come that's it. Is it when you hit like say 80% yeah. and you're trying to keep her at that? Yeah, you're trying
1: a- to just be really present and come and be together in that moment. So sometimes when, you know, couples are having sex, the guy can be, you know, faster to arouse or it takes longer for the woman to, to warm up, right? So we're trying to get both together up at the same time, yeah. at the same level, prolong that lovely feeling introduce just power of connection from a heart perspective and body perspective before then going to orgasm. Orgasm is just the cherry on the Sunday rather than the Sunday. just takes patience and practice, just like any, any yoga, um, you know, it takes patience and practice to learn how to meditate, to be present in the own body. But if you're doing it with another human, it can be really powerful. And I know when you're in love and if you've had sex where you're in love, it's not even about what you're doing. It's about being with that person that you feel so strongly for, it's like that. And that's why I think long-term monogamous relationships, this is where they can go is into this space. And yes, it's a bit, if, you know, if you have to have a, a, you know, an instructor and that can be quite daunting um, and then you, but you can just investigate and talk about what you might be comfortable with, whether you want to do a a retreat or whether you would just want someone who's there guiding the two of you or whether you just want to look at a few videos and see if it's for you. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go suddenly naked with 20 other people in the room. There's a few few stages you can talk about
2: before that. Right. With, um, obviously, love, it's the world language, and everything else. But in your line of work, you know, if you're dealing with couples and that, is there um, a a culture or even a nationality? Like, would you get many Irish couples going down? Or is there any standout kind of, not really, or it's just all mixed?
1: Yeah, and obviously, if you've got a couple of mixed cultures, then that can often be an impediment. So... In African culture, anal sex, in some African cultures, anal sex is actually disapproved of. And if you've got an African male, you know, he wouldn't want to engage that. Now, if he was with my friend that can only come in that direction, it's not that he doesn't find her attractive and she's like, why don't you want to do it? he has been brought up with this culture of pra- cultural practice and that happens with oral sex. A lot of guys who love their mum, respect their sister, just can't imagine forcing their partner in what they believe to be a power position. Of course, most women know that we will bring you to your knees in one fell swoop. We're the ones in charge in that position. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he doesn't like the disrespect of what he feels because maybe the porn watch is quite derogatory. So you have to unpack it. She's like, well, why can't we do oral sex? And he's like, because I don't want to disrespect you. Now, they've never said that to each other until we're in session. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, she goes, oh, oh, you're not disrespecting me. And then on it flows from there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mixed cultures or mixed upbringings. Um, Obviously, if you've gone to a Christian school, that sort of slut versus stud stuff can come in where women are just like, oh, only bad girls or sluts do stuff like that. You know, you have to unpack that a lot as well with a lot of women.
0: Um, Another question I have, men and women's libido. Um, So as men get older, in the late 30s, 40s or whatever it is, their testosterone levels or their libido might start dropping off. Um, what about women? Is it the same with women?
1: So this is where this is where the the age old dichotomy. This is where it, where it flips. So women come into their sexual prime later, often post children, so forties and fifties, and men tend to go through some of them an andropause is what we cause where their sexual <laughs> sexuality comes down. Oh, is that right. So in the beginning, it's the reverse, and then it comes back the other way. And so if men, if they're, and I say to women, if you're in this situation where your 55 year old man has diabetes, which of course high circulating sugar can kill peripheral brain and um, peripheral nerves, including nerves to control the erection, you know, you have to really unpack why is there why is their libido low? Are they depressant? It could be the fact that they're just depressed. Are they stressed? Because at 50, you've normally got a lot of responsibility, whatever you're doing, right? Family and work. Um, Is it because they have low testosterone, which you can get injections for? Is it because you've just grown apart? He doesn't actually find you attractive anymore. You've actually grown apart as a couple. So you've got to tease it out. What is it? What's the cause of it? Mm. But usually women start to sort of pick it up again. In fact, that's when they don't care as much about their body, they're a lot more self accepting, they're a lot more open and free in the brain, which of course the young woman it can prevent the orgasm. They're a lot more accepting of themselves at forty and fifty, and that's when they've got a bit more of a sexual prime going on.
2: Is it is it true that the women lose interest in the men before the the opposite way around?
1: Depend not is, is that
2: is that a case by case? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Is, is it more that. I think what you're trying to say, though, is at the end of a relationship, a relationship's going pear-shame, right? They, they do say that women tend to mourn the death of a relationship a lot longer before it actually happens. And then when it happens, it's almost like a guillotine for a guy. And that's when the mourning starts for them. So women will kind of hold on and on. But it's not just women and men, it's people. Some people who are just giving it a go and giving it a go and giving it a go and they're just slowly getting sadder and sadder as they realize it's not going to happen. Yeah. They've, and by the time the breakup happens, they're like, right, I've already done all my mourning. Um, whereas uh, the other person can be blindsided. And that, of course, is a lack of communication.
0: So um, from what I've kind of read or whatever, that at younger age, men will seek erotic sex, Whereas women will seek a loving relationship and then as they get older, it switches. Women seek the erotic sex and men are just more into the loving relationship. Is that true?
1: Um, So, you know, again, it's hard to tease out because porn is dopamine driven, which is pleasure driven, right? Same as cocaine, caffeine, gambling, shopping, it's (laughs) dopamine driven and an early part of a relationship is dopamine driven, male or female. It then, if it's a good relationship, will go out of the initial like sex haze because you're so high from the dopamine and go into a natural oxytocin serotonin phase where the chemistry might not be quite as high as it was at the beginning, but you're a lot more connected. So that's a good relationship will flow like that. Um, Women tend to want to feel close before they have sex. Men tend to want to have sex to feel close. So this is purely biological. Oxytocin is, we've got higher levels because we also carry children and we have a huge surge when we birth the child, of course. How are we going to bond to a screaming, pooing infant, right? So we have more in general. Men have less in general, but they have their biggest surge when they ejaculate. So I say to women, if you're mad, you cannot cut the sex off because that's what's bonding him to you, right? But the man has to make the woman feel safe and loved for her to then have her flood of oxytocin. So you want to, it's, a, it's an interplay that's yin and yang. And the, the way to manage it, of course, is the man doesn't want to just shove sex down their throats right at the beginning. Um, but a woman, you know, needs to feel safe and loved and secure, even if it's in that moment for one night, she has to feel safe and secure and connected.
2: Are, are they saying that um, there's a lot less sex happening these days? Is that? No. No, there's more a- more. Is AI more AI? Wouldn't I mean, be
1: getting in the way, would with it? With young people, you mean?
2: But just, just with uh, obviously, uh, I heard that the Someone said there wasn't as much just with AI and porn. Um, but then at the same flip of a coin, you can imagine with social, with uh, so, not social media, but apps like Tinder and Grinder, whatever, that it's easier to meet up and have a fling.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, I
2: think that the the desire for the whole world to want it more because it's
0: it's putting our face on screens more. That's right. So people see and they want. Yes,
1: but the problem is it's very disillusioning because what you're seeing is hotter than hot and love at first sight, right? And as I say to my young people, just so you know, there, it is not necessarily hotter than hot every time right off the bat within two minutes and it's not love at first sight every time right off the bat, right? There's so many shades of grey with it but we get we, – because pleasure is an innate drive and pleasure sells – what the media companies give us are the highest incarnations of pleasure, right? But that is not realistic because in real life there's lots of shades of grey with relationships and sex and the individual. What's your opinion on marriage? On my, my, well, I, I like to say that from an anthropological perspective, the coming together of two people in partnership predates any rules around it. Right We do need to, ma- to maintain the species, sex, coming together. And in order from an anthological perspective, in order for that to happen, pleasure needs to be involved, and in order for the rearing of the child to be most successful, two people is better than just one. So oxytocin, the bonding hormone and the pleasure that's around sex has to happen in order for the survival of the species. It is people and different cultures that put rules around what that situation is. And that is called marriage. And of course, there's different rules of marriage and different cultures. You know, in some of your Middle Eastern countries, nine-year-old child brides are still legal if they're promised to a man. Mm. India the female Prime Minister just banned child brides only in the last 10 years. That's madness. So you've got to understand that culturally we still have very different rules around yeah. what marriage is allowed. In Australia, first cousins are st- still allowed to be married.
0: Right. I didn't Moldy they
1: Right. First cousins still allowed to be married. Now, from a genetic perspective, we would probably say that's too close from a science perspective, but when that that, that that sort of genetic studies came after those laws were put into place. What was that for?
3: Population growth back in the day or?
1: Well, it was just a lot, lot smaller population yeah. and your ability to move around in a town was a lot well more mm. reduced when they were written. Right. A lot more
2: cousins as well.
0: So yeah. um, with, with Joe asking about what do you think of uh, marriages these days, do you think There's less marriages happening these days or?
1: Um, I think that because it's very easy to get out of a marriage. I mean, for me, I'm 46 and a half and I've never been married. And when I was young, you know, I'm half American. I have two relatives that have been married four times each. And I told myself that I never wanted to get divorced, which may mean I never get married because I hold the vow sacred to what it is, right? Nowadays, people are like, you you know, they couldn't believe when I went to the States and lived there that I'd never been married and I was only 27. And they were like, oh, yeah, first marriage, first kids, first job, first divorce. Oh, if I don't like him, I'll just divorce him. Mm. And that expendability notion is to me is just not, it's just very socially acceptable to get divorced nowadays. And so to me, it's like, well, you know, we should go back to what it actually was supposed to be, yeah. which is a coming together and a public declaration of your love for each other.
3: Till that do us part.
1: Right. To me, that's a vow, which is why I still haven't taken it. <laughs> Cause I'm living to 122. We've got longevity in my family, so they've got to be certain. And so do I. Right. So, I think it's too easy to get out of it now, and people don't try and people don't communicate. And so then it, there's a 50%, close to 50% divorce rate in Australia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, believe it because every second person I speak who <laughs> seems to have gone through yeah. a divorce or who I worked with, you know.
1: I mean, back in the old days, the, the, whether it was an Indigenous or, or a Western population, you used to go to your rabbi, you used to go to your priest, you used to go to your women's, sh- men's business, women's business, and talk about what was going on for you in your relationship. There was actually community support for the couple. In fact, in Jewish culture, they used to routinely recommend men's groups and retreats and women so that they could unpack and talk about stuff, right, in order to keep the, the marriages together. And there was investment in that. And before you even got married, you had an interview with the rabbi who asked the hard questions. And, you know, I say this to couples, let's get down to nuts and bolts. Have you slept with enough people? Have you slept with enough people? Are you satisfied? Mm. I mean, I've got four sets of high school sweethearts in my friendship group. Right? You know, we had a really great year group and there's four sets. And, you know, these are valid questions. Have you slept with enough people? Have you fulfilled all the fantasies that you want to? And if not, have you spoken to each other about it? You know, these are the things that can break break up people. You you
2: know, people out there that have um, gotten married and they've only had one partner. And you often wonder, Mm. how do they know? If anything is, is better, if is better greener. out there or if it's worse. Or...
1: Yeah. Well, if they love that person and, and these sets of high school sweethearts are all together still, mm. all of them have multiple children and it's about them hearing now, obviously they went through that a phase That question has were... to
2: always be there. What? That question has yes. to always be there, and wouldn't And they it?
1: communicate it. So they've been through the twenties where the friends are all sleeping around and having different experiences, but a lot of them are bad, remember? Yeah. And then they've been through all the divorces- And when I talk to them, they're like, we're lucky. We're lucky we found a good one early. So they did save themselves a bunch of heartache Mm. and mistakes.
3: Is is soulmates a scam, basically, the the two words together? Do you believe that? Of what? Soulmates. Oh, soulmates.
1: Oh, I do believe it. I think that soulmates, I'm quite spiritual and I do intuitive astrology as well. But do you think
3: people overuse the word in terms of? I
1: think they don't understand it. So a soulmate is not necessarily a twin flame right? Twin flame is a soulmate that becomes a romantic partner. Soulmates are there. You've made a pact in a previous life to teach each other lessons that you didn't learn. So sometimes your soulmates are the hardest breakup you'll ever have, right? Soulmates are there to teach you lessons and you either break up or break through with a soulmate, right? Twin flames are the ones where the soulmate has broken through and they're who you're meant to be with for that lifetime and sometimes lifetime beyond. So some people like, I have this really crazy connection. I'm like, yeah, he's definitely a soulmate. I can feel the energy. I'll get goosebumps around people like that. But I said, are you going to put up with this behaviour or not? And is he or she going to stop that behaviour? Because these are your lessons. It's two. It takes two to tango. Self-awareness and boundaries. Are you going to learn it in this lifetime and, and go break through? Or are you going to not learn it and break up? Okay. And that's your decision.
2: Yeah, You know when they say, oh, that, that one person is out there for me, I, I, you know, when when you get with somebody, I, I feel like if there's there's always going to be someone there, in my opinion. Say if someone your partner passes away, like people mm-hmm. find love again, hundred percent. You, 100%, know? You've you also, know, like there's always going to yeah, be.
1: But also, you're a different person across your life. Yeah, well. true. Yeah, that's that's so a great shout out. you one. who you attract in your 20s is yeah. going to be different to who yeah. you attract in your 40s. And so if you manage to grow together with the one in your 20s, power to you. But if you guys grow apart, keep in mind you guys that not all divorces and separations are nasty. A lot of them it is just a mutual agreement that they're just not on the same page. And I, when people come to see me, staying together isn't necessarily – the outcome that I want. What I want is for them to be happy. Now, to, to stay together, both of them have to think that the love is worth it, worth the process. Not one, both have to think that. If one has come to me and they've already checked out emotionally and they're just there to appease this one, they need to break up because one has already checked out.
0: Well, um, so what of a couple... Say a couple are lacking the intimacy and one says, Do you know what? How about we go see Christina? Um, see mm-hmm. if she can help us and the other person's like, No, I don't want to do all that. You know, I'm I'm happy the way it is. But the partner who suggested to go to see Christina mm-hmm. um isn't quite unhappy. They wanna um bring things back up. Um, what would you say what would you what kind of advice could you give to that um partner that wants to come see you, but has to go back to his partner or her partner to tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. we should really try this.
1: All right. So with relationships, there's love and mutual respect. If the one partner says to the other, I'm not happy, then that partner has to respect that, Mm. right? That partner has to respect that just because they're happy. That's not the be all and end all of the relationship. Two people need to be happy. All right, so why are you unhappy? Well, it's this. Okay, well, if this person's invested, then they're not going to, maybe they don't want to participate right at the beginning, but they're not going to look down upon you for wanting to be happy and figure out how to make yourself happy, right? And if that's going to see a counsellor or me, then they should be curious to see what you find out because if they love you, they want you to be happy too. Yeah. If they're like, no, 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 and they're really closed off, then you're like, why don't you, this is important to me, why are you not acknowledging that? And then see what they say.
0: And first of all you have to communicate and talk yes. about this forced yes. don't st- 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 don't stay silent no, you, you have, have to, to speak talk. up if you really feel like this
1: that's right because if you know if they love you and they can see you being vulnerable and being vulnerable with a guy obviously we try to demonize vulnerable guys ridiculous there is strength in vulnerability and being vulnerable with your partner is a given they will, especially women cuz they're so compassionate we love it when a guy has a good cry and figures out oh it was my ex that caused me to think this way. I'm so sorry, right, that I'm doing this to you. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with this other fear of abandonment crap for my other girlfriend that left me, right? And and that is so great that you can actually have them make that connection and then you're like, oh, okay, so next time I see that behaviour... I won't be as nasty about it because I know it's not me, it's just you having to sort out your past. You see what I'm saying? So you want to be vu- you want to be vulnerable gentlemen with your females and most females will be like, "Yes, let's work on it then. I didn't realize how important it was."
2: Can I ask you something, Davey? Go. Do you talk to your partner about sex? Yes. Regularly?
0: Um, when I feel I need to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: In what context?
0: Um, we don't we have a good sexual relationship so we I don't have to talk about it too much. Yeah. Just say for instance but you wouldn't get nervous talking about it or awkward. No, not really, no. She knows how how open I am and she kind of she might have been shy before, but now she's not shy about talking about anything to me because she knows I'm I'm there to listen or I'm so open but you know, if if a week, say a week or a week and a half goes by without having sex. We both feel like, or we, it, it can't go on this longer. Deep down, was like, oh, this, this is a problem. It's not really a problem. Um, it could be a very common thing, but we feel like we have to like make up for that last. Like week Like there's an elephant,
2: an elephant in the room. Like you kind of both.
0: Uh, no, no, we we it's, we both get to that you know level where we de, we, we we both desire it and we after of, say a week or a week and a half of not having sex that next time we have sex it's going to be good Joe
2: same. same.
1: <laughs> Joe's stunned he was I looking very
2: just, just so you know I uh, think we Joe, need to go Joe, back to Christina <laughs> for a
1: second for a uh,
2: Joe Joe gets a bit off oh, at the best Tav
1: T- 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 has actually said to me <laughs> He's actually said to me he's never he, he's never talked in a relationship very much explicitly about it. I mean, there's been guidance over the years. I mean, he had, was married before, so obviously you'd imagine there'd be some guidance, you know, some chatting. But he said, "Neth, nothing like to the degree that obviously." What I think I do. this is
3: new to most men. Yeah, this uh, tell, no,
2: like a lot of men are out there
3: like getting a, a lot of
2: information about it's this. A, no, no, I, I won't leave you hanging there, mate. I'll, I'll say my bit as well. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, we 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 talked. Knew him, you but, were
3: coming to me. As <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I, knew, I said When Dotty was answering The question I was like I know I'm next <laughs> Shall I give you a few minutes To think about your there. answer <laughs> I could feel me
0: Eyes starting to twitch <laughs> <laughs> Alright Gary Paul, you go You talk about With
2: Joe. Yeah is. no We we um, Probably n- Not as much As um Yeah There could be more Communication there Maybe uh, Probably on my behalf As well You know But um Yeah We, we do we, we joke about it I find we joke about it more if Maybe. that works for you, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, but we joke about things mean? and we have a laugh. And, 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 and that
1: works for couples is comedic relief when they find it a bit too heavy, the chat, yeah. is to ha- make some jokes and it's like, you know, you know, it's been a little while there, love. You know, that <laughs> works for a lot of couples. There's nothing wrong with that because yeah. it's like, actually a really lighthearted <laughs> way of looking at it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so like yesterday, I think me, me, and, me and my missus were both... Desiring it yesterday, and I had to take my daughter out to take her out for a day anyway. And she was meant to go home like last night at seven o'clock. And but we, I brought her back to the house, and her mom said she'd come pick her up. But my missus was there, and she's she's wearing nice underwear underneath what she had. She, she was like, she we both thought we were going to have the house for to, to ourselves last night after seven o'clock. But it turned out that my daughter was there till 10 o'clock like ten o'clock last <laughs> night and we couldn't do anything. And my missus fell asleep and then um, my daughter's mom came and picked her up. But that's another thing as well for couples is kids. Mm-hmm. Kids get, uh, probably get in the way a lot of a, mm. a sexual relationship. Um, maybe you can say more about that because your kids are quite small. My, my daughter's old and she lives with her mom now. But um, is that another thing that's a big killer in the bedroom?
1: It's massive. I mean, <laughs> Tave's got his kids one week on, one week off. And I've never dated anyone with kids. So it's just a whole new world of scheduling that yeah. has yeah. had to occur in my life. Um, so, you know, kids, especially when they're old enough to get up and open doors, yeah. it becomes, you know, you don't want to have anyone walking in on anything. But even
2: when they're not, even when, like, I found that the hardest part was when the kid's in the room with you for a year after they're born. And like you said, the mother's main goal is to care yes. for that kid. Yeah. And then.
1: Yeah. Especially the first one, because guys are like, they're my bibs. I can, can I just <laughs> say something? <laughs> you know, I've
2: spoke about this before, When when a, when a, when a, when a, a man becomes a father, he wants to provide, he gets this, this urge to go out and provide and work even harder, work more hours, get a side gig, that's his thing, which Mm -hmm. increases stress. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, I'm talking from experience here. Mm -hmm. So then, the last thing you want to do when you get home is is be romantic with Mm -hmm. your partner. She's, stressed out with a newborn and that and it's you know, it can it can be very, very Mm -hmm. difficult and and not on I mean Mm -hmm. I don't mean like just being awkward in Mm -hmm. in the bedroom like it can really make or break a relationship, Mm -hmm. you know. That's when you know
1: especially with the lack of sleep. That just makes everyone bad. Yeah. So um
0: that's one thing I noticed like I I'm not going through any sleeping problems at the minute. I had bad sleeping problems there for the guts of eight eight months or so. And I was literally only getting max four hours sleep a night. Yeah, and sorry. I noticed that that was killing my sex drive. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's one thing I did notice. But yeah, yeah in the last yep. few months, I get eight hours sleep a night now. Yeah. I mean, I this, to,
1: and so now you can understand new mums. when yeah. They're literally woken up every hour on the hour. And they're just like, eyes are hanging out of their mm. heads you know, and also the hormones for lactation suppress your fertility. Mm. If you have two kids back to back, or you have twins, God forbid, yeah. like my friend did, it becomes full on.
2: But then, one thing what, what does happen in a relationship, talking from experience again, is the appreciation you have for your partner goes mm. through the roof. Yeah, like you always um, love your partner and everything else but they're, you know, they're just your girlfriend, fiance and then wife. But when they become the mother of your children, that's, mm. that's a game changer. Mm. You, yeah. the, you see them change from a girl to a woman, if that yeah. makes some sort 100% of sense.
1: Maiden to mother to crime yeah. is our yeah. spiritual incarnations. It's a different, different look, but it's a respect. And that's, it's a huge respect. And, that's,
2: and that's I think awesome. that, 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 might trump everything, mm. you know, that, that, that respect.
1: In a good relationship. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: just before we close up the show, is there any that any message that you'd like to put out to couples that are listening right now that haven't communicated but they feel like they need more from each other, more of the sexual relationship to improve? Like, what what's a good message to stick out to them people? Because there is people listening now that are really clued into this.
2: And at what point? Sorry, um, to just to All add right. to that, at what point? Do, do you make the decision that you need to bring in a third party to discuss it? Um,
1: well, for someone who's a bit hesitant to talk to their partner, don't hesitate. Reach out to a professional to even find the words that suit you, that suit you in your situation. Because sometimes people just have not had upbringings that are open and they don't even have the words. They don't even know how to even approach it. Then seek help as an individual. If If you are in a relationship where you feel like you could, then broach it, but preface it with, this is, I love you so much. This is really important to me. It's been playing on my mind. Can we have a chat about this? You know, pick your moment where there's no children and distractions, you know, so that you get a positive response and, you know, the way, as my dad used to say, it's not what you ask for, Christina, it's the way you ask for it that will determine whether you get what you want or not. So make sure you're not coming in accusatory. You, 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 you. You're like, I'm feeling this way. What can we do about it? Are you feeling this way too? Mm. I think our love is worth it. These are some ideas. How about we go to the sex shop together? How about we do a bit of Googling, a retreat? How about we have a dirty weekend? How about go we chat date. to someone? Just a
0: lot of people lack dates. Yeah, exactly. Long-term relationships lack just They, act, they dates. lack
1: the courting part. Go back
0: to where you started. That's
1: right. And Remember so when the
0: sex was that good at the start?
1: That's right. Bring that back. That's right. There's a lot of different ways you can open it and start before you even bring a third party in, mm. right? But you can be one of the options, individual right. or couple,
2: um, I don't want. I want. This is something I wanted to ask you before you came in. H- how do you find um programs like, um Love Island, and that? How do you find they're affecting or painting uh, an image towards the teenagers coming up out of school? And, yeah, and
0: not I mean even the teenagers, even just because we were talking couples. about it last
2: week.
1: Yeah, I mean the hookup culture that we have now. Is pretty intense. But you've also got to understand that from a historical perspective, you know, the swinging 60s and 70s, psychedelic 70s, where the, the pill, right, the pill in the 60s revolutionized sexual freedom for females. It was the first thing that we actually had control over getting pregnant or not. So there have been eras in the past where that sort of, you know, swinging 60s was there. Now, But of course, it was about feminine empowerment now it really, what we're seeing in the media is subjugation and objectification of females to try to be attractive to the opposite sex. And I'm like, no, I'm all for feminine sexuality, but it's not for anyone else. It's for you. Mm-hmm. So as I t- talk to young people and, and, and girls in particular, it's like, don't think that you have to look this way, have to act this way to attract a mate. You look however you want to look. And you can be sexual in any, whichever way you want to go, not for anyone else. So to take the focus away from pleasing others and back to who are you and what do you want to give a go. And I'm okay if you want to experiment sexually as long as you're safe about it, right?
2: Um, did you, you had a couple of dealings with those sort of shows that were bringing someone like yourself in. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, the reality TV, you know, phenomenon, basically, and I spoke to the producer of a show called Les Marcelles that I was actually in, which is a French show. And he said, it's cheap, Christina. We don't have to pay actors. These guys will go on it for free, basically for three months. And so as far as TV production goes, very cheap. And they choose personalities that are going to fire up and flare up to make good drama. And it isn't reality. It's scripted, right? A lot of it is scripted. So in order to create the drama or cut. And you do sign your life away when you do sign up for these shows. You, you, you go in thinking you're going to be the good one, but they may cut you to be like a bitch, yeah. right? So you've got no control. So I say go in with your eyes open. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with pleasure. So good-looking people, lots of sex, they're often alcohol-fueled. So when I went to work on the set of Love Island in Fiji for the Australian show and the American show. They basically lock these 20-somethings in a resort. They're not allowed to in or out, nothing, for six weeks and they give them alcohol every day and then they go click on the detonator and yeah. see what happens to make the good TV. Now, for me, of course, I came in with the babies as a challenge because a lot of females and, and a lot of men too want children and so the, the couples start to naturally form and then they test the couples out and how strong their love or or, or lust is with the babies. Um, So
2: these were like... Uh, Toy babies, or what would you call it? Yeah, so they're
1: basically computers. We're three and a half grand each. And I'm the puppet master that programs the computers to do whatever the TV producers want. Obviously, in a school program, we just give them all to different kids on random settings. So some have to deal with the night owl and some have to deal with the hungry baby or whatever, right? But for the shows, we actually program, I want that contestant to have the hardest baby. I want this contestant to do well. So give them the easy rotation. It's like that. Yeah, right. I've also my babies also appeared on the Bachelorette with the twi- with the sisters. Yeah. So, is, is that where to yeah. get the
3: females to leave the villa and leave the babies that's with the right. men that's yeah. so I've heard yeah that's, <laughs> that's exactly right so that, that was, was just after fun. COVID <laughs> so I
1: couldn't go over to Sydney to coordinate that show myself in person I did it remotely which was interesting trying to teach the producers how to program the babies from over <laughs> here but um but you know it's awesome because it is fun and to see how you know people deal with child rearing and because our nuclear families in western countries are so small these days, I mean, I'm half Sicilian, so two generations ago it was 12, 13 kids, same with Irish Catholic too, but nowadays we're barely having one, two, Mm. three kids per couple, and so you're not really rearing kids anymore as a kid. You don't know anything. One of my friend's husbands had never held a human baby until it was their son at 37. (laughs) So so these are good, the babies, for this reason is it actually is teaching life skills, Mm. and it's pretty fun watching. Yeah. Some clueless people trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think uh, we're gonna have to have a part two someday. Yeah, absolutely. We? Yeah, <laughs> oh, there's, so there's, there's so there, much information. There is a lot, isn't there? Is, it's there a lot is. to take in. And the thing is, like, is. don't for anybody out there, don't think you know everything in the bedroom, you no. only know a fraction. You you need no. to, there's so much to learn, and you so much room for more improvement. And if you do feel like you need to improve, Give, self, uh, give Christina Self a call. Yeah. Where can people find you or how, how can people get in contact with you?
1: So my business is Red Ginger Wellness. I do have a website. The website's predominantly geared to teachers finding me for their school programs, but all my details are on there. I have a Facebook as well, um, which you can communicate with me through direct, me- direct messaging. Mm-hmm. So it's R-E-D-G-I-N-G-E-R Wellness. Red yeah. ginger. Red ginger. Or of course you can ask Davy. <laughs> he got my number. <laughs> yeah.
3: Christina, it's been a pleasure to have you on this morning.
2: It has been thank a pleasure. It's been great. For Christina for part two. I promise Joe will have the answer to that question.
1: <laughs> 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 He's deflected for
2: today. <laughs> All right. Episode twenty four, we're done.